This is America on the Road, named best radio show by the International Automotive Media Conference, and now in its 30th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. New rules could extend federal tax credits on electric vehicles to more buyers, and they'll get the incentive sooner, too. We'll have details on that major change coming up. Pretty big stuff. Tesla has lowered its prices again as it races to hit sales targets for 2023. We'll tell you how much you could save if you decide to buy a Tesla. Big money. Elon Musk isn't just rich either. He's also in a lot of legal scrapes, legal trouble. We'll tell you all about it on America on the Road's True Crime Files Auto Edition. That's coming (laughs) up in this segment. And Nissan has just unmasked a fascinating electric-powered off-roader called the Nissan Hyper Adventure, a vehicle I predict Chris Teague loves. We'll see. And we'll have details on that coming up. America on the Road is brought to you by DrivingToday.com, YourTestDriver.com, EMLancy.com, the publisher of my latest book, Dance in the Dark, and, of course, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury. So imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at DrivingToday.com slash auto insurance. That's DrivingToday.com slash auto hyphen insurance. I'm Jack Nierad. With me is co-host Chris Teague, the hat-wearing Chris Teague, uh, dressed in L.L. Bean stuff for Maine. Uh, he's editor of YourTestDriver.com. Of course, our co-host here on America on the Road, our esteemed co-host. Chris, what's the latest? You're kind of bundled up. Is it getting cold there in Maine? It's not exactly that cold, but I refuse to turn on the heat until it is very cold. So, um, I'm kind of in a locked in a battle of wits with Mother Nature, which I, I will absolutely u- lose. Yeah, well, and, and as many of you listeners know, Chris lives in a historic house. I think it dates to the 1700s, right? I mean, uh, what's it like in the winter? Yeah, 1780. You know, we've got some no insulation whatsoever to speak of in the house, except for the parts we've renovated. So it does get a little drafty. But you know what? It's a nice house and we're happy to take care of it. Yeah. How are things on your side of the world? Super cool. My house is not nearly that old, but uh, it's fairly old these days, uh, at least in California terms. And California is very nice in the fall. It's pleasant. It's kind of warm temperatures out here and all good. So I've, I've been playing a little baseball, which is fun for me. You know, Chris lives at one end of the country. I live at the other. Each week we get together to talk about cars, the car industry, and how you can get the most for your automotive dollar. And then we review a couple of vehicles. Uh, Lexus has just introduced a vehicle that I predict will be a major hit. It's the three-row Lexus TX crossover utility. I got the chance to drive it and then discuss it with Lexus product information expert Richard Hollingsworth. We'll have the interview with him coming up a bit later. And, of course, reviewing cars is one of the things we love to do, Chris. uh, What are you going to be telling us about this week? I drove the 2024 Mazda CX-90 plug-in hybrid jack. It's a new exciting model from Mazda, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear all about it. Back in the day, back in the 90s, I actually worked for Mazda uh, for a couple of years, so I'm kind of excited to hear what you have to say about their vehicle. During my dark days on the PR side, but I came back to journalism uh, pretty quickly and enjoy that much more. My road test vehicle this week is an intriguing sedan that comes in more flavors than Baskin Robbins has. I'll be reviewing the award-winning all-electric 2024 Hyundai Ioniq 6, and I'll tell you all about it coming up in our road test segment. Before we do anything else, though, let's talk about this news. And uh, this news could be good, good news for people who are looking to buy an electric car. The Treasury Department would like to make it easier for folks to get the $7,500 
EV tax credit. In fact, it, in, in some instances, it doesn't seem exactly like a tax credit. It just seems like an incentive. What's your first take on this? Uh, maybe it's about time, huh? I think so. You know, the tax credits are confusing people. You know, you have to go to the end of the year and figure out, am I going to qualify for the full $7,500 credit or am I going to only qualify for part of it? Uh, any of those sorts of things. Uh, you know, granted, some of these new rules that people are still going to have paperwork to fill out, but I think it does kind of push the the incentive to like more of a instant gratification uh, situation, which will probably help boost the demand a little bit, I would think. Yeah, I would think so too. I mean, the proposal is that dealers can offer this tax break to consumers right as they're buying the vehicle. Now they're typically only getting it, and on many vehicles, when they lease, they kind of get it right away. Um, because some some other entity is getting it later. But uh, if you're buying a vehicle, uh, you don't necessarily get it. All eligible uh, EV buyers would get an upfront discount of $7,500 for new cars, $4,000 for used cars, so that's a boon. And getting that right then and there, as you say, I think... Uh, going to be a pretty good deal for a lot of folks. Yeah, automakers, some automakers, uh, Tesla especially, advertise that price with their their sales price. If you go to Tesla's website, it shows you the discount. So I think for a lot of people, it makes more sense that way, right? You think about it as a discount tax credit, you know, six, eight, nine months down the road doesn't doesn't feel all that impactful at the time when you're signing for the car. So uh, like we said earlier, I think it will be, a, I think it'll make an impact. Yeah. What's interesting is dealers were supposed to be able to do this just based on the term of the Inflation Reduction Act. I don't know how that is working out in terms of reducing inflation, but <laughs> it's interesting that there was confusion on that for months and months and months. It's at least six months since that uh, law passed, I think maybe longer. Uh, buyers only qualify for the full tax break if their federal tax liability is large enough. So this doesn't extend to everybody, I guess. Uh, you still have to owe $7,500 or more in taxes. But I think if you're buying a $60,000 electric car, you're probably making the, the, the kind of income that's going to make that happen. Well, Tesla has cut prices again on the Model 3 and Model Y. They're two best-selling vehicles, and it looks like they're and just trying to hurry up to get the, the sales targets that they actually missed for the third quarter. Uh, they want to hit the, the full year sales target, which is a pretty stout one of 1.8 million vehicles globally. They wanted to deliver almost 500,000 vehicles in the last quarter. It's a pretty tall order, isn't it? Uh, you know, with interest rates and inflation and all that that's hitting uh, car buyers at the same time. It is, but you know, surprisingly, as much as they raised the prices, they've now lowered the prices to the point where the Model 3 and the Model Y are two of the most affordable EVs you can get now, especially once the the Chevy Bolt and uh, Nissan Leaf and everything are, are taken out of the picture. But, but uh, you know what? I, I can see it. I mean, they've got a long way to go. You mentioned almost half a million units they've got to sell to hit their target by the end of the year. Um, this is certainly one way to do that. I mean, I think they've done this several other times. They, they offer free charging and other promotions too. So it'll be interesting to see if this actually gets them over the hump for, you know, for December when it comes around. Yeah, the Model 3 sedan now starts at 38,000, oh, I guess 39,000, 38,990, which, as you'll see in comparison to the Ionic 6 I'm going to be talking about, is a screaming deal, I think. Uh, the Model Y uh, costs $2,000 less. Uh, this is a long-range version of the Model Y. They're sport utility, kind of sport utility, I guess. 48000 uh, and. Uh, $490. Interesting that prices have come down 17% over the course of the year. I mean, that's a giant, <laughs> giant drop in prices. Even the, the Model Y is down almost uh, over 25%. 
I mean, in automotive terms, that's <laughs> colossal, isn't it? Yeah, you never know. And it's coinciding with the really high gas prices that you guys are seeing on the other side of the country right now. So I could see this being a good in, uh, making a big impact on Tesla's bottom line. Right. I drove by a gas station yesterday in Southern California, $7.76 for a gallon of regular gas. I mean, my that's around about twice what I paid for a premium yesterday. Yeah, just awful. Just unbelievable. Well, as we mentioned in the, in the opening here, uh, Elon Musk has some legal troubles. I guess if you're the world richest guy, you're kind of a target for a lot of things. But, you know, he's got the Security and Exchange Commission after him. Twitter investors sued him at claiming he manipulated stock prices. Uh, there's a compensation lawsuit, um, meaning that some investors are, are wondering why he got paid $56 billion dollars. <laughs> Hey, that's pretty good payday, you know. I, b bigger bonus than my my biggest bonus ever, that's for sure. I mean, what's your take on the fact that uh, there's all these legal entanglements with Elon these days? You know, I think some people will step up and say that those legal entanglements are the result of the fact that he moves fast and breaks things and is an innovator. And, you know, that's probably true to some degree, but it seems like for a man, for a person to have... Uh, God knows how many companies under his control at this point in time. At some point, you're just going to have to say, stop fooling around and run your businesses, right? I mean, like Twitter, being that he owns one of them, but he spends a lot of time replying, getting into trouble on Twitter. One of those legal troubles is uh, a person suing him for spreading false information or at least allegedly false information on Twitter. So, or X, excuse me. Uh, so it seems like, you know, if I was an investor, I, I would be a little bit upset by some of these things too. Yeah. And I think Elon really doesn't care. At, at this point, probably doesn't. Here's something we, both of us might care about, though, and it's the Nissan Hyper Adventure concept. Um, this is one of the things that uh, Nissan is introducing for the Japan Mobility Show. It used to be called the Tokyo Motor Show, I think, coming up uh, a little later this month. And uh, this is a wild-looking vehicle that's been introduced digitally. Uh, in fact, that's how it's going to be displayed. It's kind of interesting that they're displaying the concept uh, as, as a digital presentation as opposed to spending a million or so, a million and a half dollars to, to build an actual concept. Uh, this has got some wild stuff going on for it. It's an off-roader that's an electric vehicle. Uh, what's your initial take? You know, concepts are often very, very wild, and most of the things that come in them don't actually make it to production. But if even a small percentage of some of the things that they're showing in this really wild concept make it to a production vehicle it will be an extremely interesting thing the large battery pack to power campsite equipment you can recharge electric jet skis things like that i mean like these are just wild wild things but it does look it looks fantastic it really does i mean the the roof and the side windows kind of integrating into each other i wish we could hold a picture up to the radio microphone and let people see this but they should take a look it has kind of a salon rear seat action you can rotate the rear seat around and uh, just you know make yourself a conversation pit if you wanted to i'd love to see some of this stuff come to fruition in the future, and maybe it will. I think this is a little out there, but maybe in our lifetime we're going to see something like the Nissan Hyper Adventure. It'd be cool to see. I agree. And uh, what will be even cooler to see are the road test vehicles that we have, because we have some good ones for you. The Mazda CX-90 plug-in will be driven by one Chris Teague, and he'll be telling us all about it. Well, interesting to see how it fared in Maine. And I was driving the Hyundai Ioniq 6, one of the surviving sedans out there, and it's an EV. So we'll talk about that when we come back as well. So stay with us, and we'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine 
Brad back with you for Road Test Time on America on the Road, one of our favorite segments. We live to drive and drive to live, so uh, happy to do that. And happy that you're with us on America on the Road. We appreciate you listening and hope that if you like the show, you're going to pass it on to somebody who might also like it. Uh, that would be terrific for us. We'd appreciate that. And, and Chris, you're going to pass on some knowledge about the uh, Mazda CX-90 that I have not driven. I'd love to hear about it. Oh, you haven't driven it yet. I was going to ask you. I'm very, uh, very curious about your opinion here. The CX-90 is a new model for Mazda in 2024. It just went on sale a couple of months ago, Jack. I've actually never seen one of these in the wild. I don't know if you have in your area, but... Um, here, so it starts around fifty thousand dollars for the plug-in hybrid preferred trim. There are three models available. The mid-range premium is around fifty-five thousand dollars. My plug-in hybrid premium plus was right around fifty-eight thousand dollars. So, pretty big uh, spread in price here, and it's not cheap no matter how you cut it. But this is a three-row plug-in hybrid SUV with all the latest tech. So I think that you know we can argue about price a little bit later on. I typically do try to trying to call it out, but there's a 2.5 liter turbocharged four cylinder engine in this vehicle. It's paired with a 17.8 kilowatt, kilowatt battery and an electric motor, 323 horsepower, 369 pound feet of torque jack. I want to get your opinion. These are pretty healthy numbers for a three row SUV. What do you think about Mazda's approach with plug-in hybrid uh, performance and the way they normally do their driving? Well, it's really interesting to me, and I, I'm really curious as to your reaction to this, because certainly Mazda has not been known for their hybrid vehicles or plug-in hybrid vehicles. This is kind of new tech for them in a lot of ways. And uh, I wonder how they've executed this. They've executed it pretty well. And, you know, they do have input from Toyota and some of these things. Toyota's the hybrid master of the universe at this point in time. But uh, it's fairly refined. It's not as quiet as I would like for it to be. It does sound at times like there's a continuously variable transmission under the uh, behind the engine. So there's a little bit of whining, a little bit of noise. But there's plenty of power jacking. 369 pound-feet of torque. This thing does not feel underpowered, doesn't feel slow. It feels ready to go. Uh, especially in traffic where you're, you know, stop and go. So that, that down low torque of the electric motor is very helpful uh, in this regard. Very smooth ride. I think my most, uh, my favorite part about this vehicle, the most impressive part of it is the ride quality and how refined and quiet it is on the road. And that's both in town and on the highway. It really is isolating, cocooning, almost a Lincoln level of cocooning. Like you feel like the vehicle is really, there's something between you and the outside world. Um, it offers 25 miles per gallon combined. That's in hybrid mode, 56 miles per gallon equivalent. That's uh, including the electric motor and the all electric range is 25 miles. So for a lot of people, especially me, if you have a shorter commute, uh, 25 miles is plenty. You don't, you probably wouldn't even have to stop for gas, uh, if at all, um, very infrequently, if at all, I should say, um, inside it's got a leather, it comes standard leather upholstery. Mine had white le Napa leather. Jack, we've talked about this a few times. I don't want to get your opinion. So, this is a three-row SUV with white leather, with a white leather interior, and it had been thoroughly cleaned before I got it, but was still not the nicest-looking leather after a few other journalists and probably some transport people have driven it. What do you think about light leather interiors or light interiors in general with kids and families? It's a tough one, right? I mean, they look kind of cool when they're brand new. They look great in the showroom, and then a few weeks in, not so much. And uh, there are other colors, I think, that are are pretty cool and i think last week we talked about the cloth interior in the in the volvo uh the s60 uh and i like that option i i wish we'd come back to that a little bit you know it's in a lot of ways easy to clean these days and uh, i just like the feel of a cloth interior sometimes i remember my grandmother's 1976 cadillac had crushed velvet on the inside so that's a little easier to, yeah, to wipe yeah. off leather 
Um, in any case, it's got seating for seven people, so a second row captain's chairs. You can get lower trim levels with a bench seat in the middle, which brings seating up to eight. Um, no matter how you cut it, though, there's plenty of room in the first two rows. Uh, I tried climbing into the third row. I have trouble getting into the three rows of many vehicles, so this is no surprise to me. Uh, my kids had no issue back there. Plenty of room for the dog and gear. 12.3-inch uh, digital gauge cluster, 10.25-inch non-touch infotainment screen. You get a dial uh, rotary selector that you scroll through lists, which I really am not a fan of it, Jack. I wish that we would just get to a touchscreen uh, interface and everybody has a touchscreen and that's it or don't have a touchscreen and that's it. But this is a little bit confounding. Otherwise, you know, I think other than the price here, Jack, and, and maybe some issues with the infotainment, this is a fantastic family vehicle. I think I would probably offer a gas model to save a few bucks, but uh, man, what a really comfortable upscale SUV for under 60K. Yeah. I mean, the CX-9 always used to... I, I liked it a lot, but it always seemed maybe a little small. Does this seem small compared to the competitors in the segment? It does, and you feel it most in the third row, right? The sloping roof and the sides are a little bit tapered down. So when you get back there, you can feel those dimensions. It's not something like a Kia Telluride or a Hyundai Palisade where the, it's a little bit boxier and you have more room in the back. Um, but yeah, very comfortable inside otherwise. Well, sounds like a good one. Can't wait to drive it. I think I'm going to drive it in the next couple of weeks, so... I'll have my take on it coming up at some some point. But here's my take on the Hyundai Ioniq 6 for 2024. And it's a sleekly styled five-passenger sedan. I've got some thumbs up on people just driving by, liking the looks of it. I'm sure it wasn't my looks that they were liking. I think they were giving thumbs up to the car. Of course, it's an all-electric vehicle. Very inventive interior as well. It's filled with tech. And I'll tell you, the pricing and model selection is confusing. <laughs> it's just kind of baffling. And I think it's one of those Asian food mem menus, right? I mean, uh, I think because they have all these ingredients, they decided to offer a bunch of different stuff. And maybe it's too much for most of us to digest. And uh, these days, and with electric cars too, I mean, even the wheel size has a big bearing on your range. This is the one that we drove here in the Knee Red household. It's the Ionic 6 Limited. Long, uh, limited is the trim. It's a long-range all-wheel drive. And it has 20-inch wheels. Base models have 18-inch wheels. The MSRP, the manufacturer's suggested retail price of $57,425. So you can see that the comparison with the Teslas that we just talked about, it's kind of big-time big stuff. The superpower of the Ionic 6, I think, is its ultra-fast 800-volt charging capacity or ability. It can go from 10 to 80% uh, charge in, they say, 18 minutes probably 20 minutes. Maybe that's longer than you would stay at a gas station, but it's getting to be, eh, it's not quite roughly equivalent with, but if you went and got a hot dog and a soft drink and then came out, that's not too bad. That's assuming that the fast charger can accommodate that 350 kilowatts and also that it's available when, when you get there, which is, isn't a guarantee. It, like many of the Hyundai Electrics, rides on the electric global modular platform. It also supports the Ionic 5. And Hyundai has big, big plans on electric vehicles. What's your take on the styling of this thing and uh, the interior number number one, Chris? Well, they first, I think they nailed the styling, but I also think it's polarizing, right? You you go down this road and you pick this design, you know that you're going to probably carve off a small percentage of people who are just never going to really uh, warm up to it. But you have to hand it to Hyundai and Kia too for the EV design. They're doing things that are uh, creative, inventive, futuristic, make people talk about their vehicles. Uh, I haven't driven the Ionic 6. I've driven the Ionic 5. And I think that if it drives anywhere near as, as adventurously as it looks or as nice as it looks, uh, it's a winner. 
Yeah, well, it is a winner, I think. It's also got some odd things. And while we're talking about the exterior styling, it has these power flush door handles, but when the car is unlocked, they kind of stick out. And it's <laughs> a little disconcerting, actually, to have the vehicle sitting in the in the driveway with the handles sticking out like that. So I have to you know, come out with the key and, and lock it up and do that kind of stuff. Good looking otherwise, I think. And then in terms of tech, interesting stuff. I mean, it still suffers from this Hyundai thing that I think is about to be cured, where it needs to have a wired input for Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, which seems against type, right? I mean, it uses a, a type A USB, which is old tech, and then it's gotta be wired. So that just strikes me as, why, did, why didn't they fix that before they're giving me this newest tomorrow vehicle? But good stuff. Uh, it's available, as I say, in a lot of uh, different trim levels. The SE Standard Range, the SE Long Range, the SE LN Limited. Maximum range in some vehicles is up to 361 miles. But the maximum range in the vehicle I had with 20-inch wheels, all-wheel drive, was something more like 270 miles, which is a big difference, right? I mean, and that's another interesting thing about electrics, and I'd love your comments on that too, Chris, is when you get some of the zootier cars, you lose range big time. Uh, you know, you have bigger wheels and the range <laughs> tumbles. You have more horsepower, the range tumbles. Yeah, that's a bigger deal for people, you know, with electric vehicles than with gas vehicles. You can go buy a BMW M5, and yes, you get worse gas mileage than you do if you buy a regular BMW 5 Series. But at the same time, the M5 doesn't take any longer to fuel up than the regular gas 5 Series does. And so for some of these options, you know, if you're a buyer, you really have to take into account the wheel size, as you mentioned, some of these electronic uh, items and things, because it does drag on the range, especially, you know, you're adding weight and you mentioned like the wheel size and rolling resistance. So it's still something I think a lot of people are going to be shocked that they have to like dig into and think about. Well, it sounds like I'm complaining about this vehicle a lot. And I'm really talking about kind of niggling little things because I love the vehicle. I loved having it. It was a lot of fun. It's, it's, uh, very, very quick, uh, you know, zero to 60 in about five seconds or so, nice and quick, great for darting in and out of traffic, super smooth, comfortable. And I didn't feel like, uh, you know, the weight was getting thrown around too much. So all in all, I like the Ionic 6 a lot. Price is a little difficult to deal with <laughs> at that kind of money. Uh, and unless you lease it, uh, you don't get any benefit of the uh, tax incentives, uh, the federal tax incentives. So lease deals are the thing to look for with the Ionic 6. But it's a winner of a vehicle. I just uh, wish it were less expensive, but I, I guess I wish a lot of things were less expensive that are very, very good. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, another vehicle that I think is uh, actually quite a good value. It is the Lexus TX crossover utility. I interviewed the product information expert Richie, Richard Hollingsworth on that. And so we'll come back with that interview right after this. Stay with us. I got this letter from a reader the other day, and I thought I'd share it with you. I'm on vacation on the beach in Key Biscayne and just finished reading Dance in the Dark. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Great plot and twists I never saw coming. You're really good at creating visual images. Congrats. You made my vacation all that more enjoyable. This is just the kind of feedback an author loves to hear. I'm Jack Nerad, host of America on the Road and the author of Dance in the Dark, a crime novel inspired by true crime. Many have told me that Dance in the Dark has all the realism of fatal photographs, my true crime account of the famous bathing suit model murder case. That's great to hear because Dance in the Dark is filled with suspense, plot twists, and surprises. But at the same time, it's a believable story in the tradition of writers like James M. Cain, Jim Thompson, and Elroy Leonard. 
Dance in the Dark is available in paperback and Kindle ebook form from Amazon.com, and it's available direct from the publisher emlancy.com as well. If you have a chance, please look for it. If it makes your vacation better, we'll both be happy. That's Dance in the Dark by Jack Arney Red at Amazon.com or emlancy.com. Thanks for giving it a look. Welcome back, everybody. And we're in Texas. We're in Austin, Texas, as a matter of fact, introducing a car with the uh, letters TX from Lexus. And uh, with me is an expert on that, Richard Hollingsworth. Thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, Jack. Yes. Well, uh, we've driven the car today, a very impressive vehicle, three-row vehicle. Uh, I think a lot of people are saying, it's about time, right? (laughs) I mean, tell us about the uh, 2024 Lexus TX. Well, that is a good starting point. Yes, it is about time. Our areas, our dealers, customers have been asking for a vehicle, a true three-row Lexus vehicle, and this is the perfect vehicle for them. Exactly. Like you said, our RX is great, GX is great, but with the TX, it takes it to a new level. As you've driven it, you've seen the styling, this is the perfect time to have this vehicle launch. The packaging of it, the connectivity of it, the powertrains, it's the, if you will, let's let's be honest, it's the sweet spot in the Lexus lineup of the SUVs, and we're very proud that we're going to have a lot of sales with this vehicle. It seems like Lexus went to school a little bit on other things, other attempts at three-row vehicles, right? There was an RXL, True. an extended uh, version of the RX, maybe didn't hit the mark exactly. What'd you learn from that? We learned, like I said, that cargo space, cargo capacity, third third uh, headroom, third row legroom and headroom are very, very important here. So this vehicle, as we talked before, this is not just an RX with a third row added to it. This is a brand new platform in every which way. And we learned, like you said, you need to make sure that every seat in that vehicle is comfortable, has all the USB ports, has to make sure that everyone is comfortable from both the legroom and the headroom. So we have learned a lot and the application and execution of it has been fantastic with this vehicle. Uh, One of the things you did is extend the wheelbase and it's longer than the RXL. I mean, I checked the figures and uh, kind of quite a bit longer with amazingly uh, larger <laughs> rear seat area. Talk, talk about that. Very much. So one of there are a lot of great stories in the vehicle, but one of the ones that we've showcased since world premiere, and you'll see go to Lexus.com, you'll see it in our commercials as well, is the cargo capacity behind the third row. At 20.2 inches cubic feet, you have to visualize seven carry-on suitcases can be put back there with all the third rows, with all the rows up. So you can carry up to seven passengers in a TX, which is great. So just imagine seven passengers and all the carry-on luggage can be behind the third row and everybody gets to still be comfortable. And if you put all the thro- all the rows down, that's 97 cubic feet. That is a lot of space in the vehicle. It's a lot of we space. We learned. <laughs> and there's a lot of space for people in the third row too. I mean, much more so and the leg room I think it's increased by something like nine inches versus the RXL. I mean, that's a world of space. Correct. We have a lot of our own marketing executives, our own executives within the whole organization who are six feet plus get back there and go, I have the headroom, I have the legroom, I could be back here for more than just a short trip, which is great because that's one of the big functions of this vehicle. It's a long haul family hauler vehicle. So this is a perfect opportunity, but you're right. You get back there and it's like, I can sit back here. I have my USBs. I'm good to go. We should put this vehicle in context a little bit. What are some of the competitors that uh, you're looking at for this Yeah, so it does compete in the mid-lux SUV segment. So with that, the main competitors are going to be those others that have the three-row standards, such as Acura MDX, Audi Q7, as well as the Infiniti QX60, and the Volvo XC90. All nice vehicles, but uh, you know, having driven this vehicle now, I think you've got a, a winner here. I think, uh, Thank you for in a lot of ways, too. you're going to have... Uh, 
competitive advantages over these other vehicles. Very much so. Like I said, we are definitely, we're very proud, like we talked about, from the cargo capacity to the, in every which way, plus the different three powertrains on this vehicle. That's You're anticipating my next question. I was going to ask <laughs> yes. about powertrains. It's pretty cool that you have those. Well, I mean, yes. So, like I said, the core is going to be our TX350, which is our 2.4 liter turbo, which you've seen in our RX vehicle as well, which is our bread and butter. That vehicle has great 275 horses. It'll be a great uh, engine for this vehicle. For those who want to move up, we'll have our one uh, 500H, TX500H in our S-Sport Performance, which is a great move up in that for both efficiency and performance. And for the first time ever on the TX, we're going to offer a Lexus plug-in for this vehicle. Okay. But it's not going to be but our... But the, the middle engine you just talked about was a hybrid power Correct. Train, it is right? a hybrid, so, yes. Yeah, very so. much as our TX500H, which you can also see in our uh, RX vehicles as well. So right. we're bringing that execution and application over to this vehicle for this. And it's a, for a vehicle this size, it works beautifully. Well, well, interestingly enough, I think you're using that for the performance version of this yes, vehicle, right? The F-Sports are both hybrids. Talk yep. about that and why. Exactly. So the F-Sport, like I said, they wanted to make sure when we're going to bring a TX, of course, it's a great looking vehicle, but at the same time, we understand from customer feedback that some uh, customers want to have a sportier aspect of it, not just looks. So we bring in the powertrain in this, and this powertrain is wonderful. Like I said, it's not just for, for performance, efficiency as well. And then with this one right now, with that's where it has a dynamic rear steering, has great exterior features as well, interior is unique to it as well. So it's a whole combination of the packaging of it. Talk a little bit about dynamic rear steering. I mean, four wheel steering is. Boy, it yeah. dates back to when I first joined yes. this industry a long time, and it, go, it kind of goes into fashion and goes yeah. out of fashion. But I think for this type of vehicle, it's it's particularly good. Tell, tell us about the nuances. Well, I mean, yeah, so a vehicle this size, like I said, it, it's very nimble in itself already. But with the F-Sport performance, it takes it to another level. So especially for a vehicle this size, it's already easy to park. But to make it even easier, the rear steering goes about four degrees to get into those even uh, slower speeds for parking spaces. Now, when you're at higher speeds, it goes about maybe about one degree in order of turns, curves, etc. for that dynamic. So the whole platform itself can just feel that performance aspect of it. But you're right. It's one of those unique features exclusively for the TX500 HS Sport. Yeah. Very, very cool. And the plug-in hybrid is coming a little later than the other. Yeah, it starts a couple right? months later. So sales will start in early 2024 and we'll have more information about pricing as well as more specs on it. But right now it has about an estimated EV range of only of 33 uh, miles to, to me, has an estimated EV range of 33 miles, which is fantastic for a vehicle this size. Yeah. What's unique about it is that powertrain is very smooth because it's actually a 3.5 liter V6 versus our other uh, plugins, which are greater are the 450Hs. This one's gonna be a big 550H plug in the second yeah, so that's really a great one yeah that you're using that in yep. that uh, particular yes. powertrain in this and, and 33 miles of all electric range is a pretty good range isn't it it is exactly from our research we found out that most americans in their commuting is about 35 37 is an average uh, range for their daily commute so with this vehicle you could do that go home charge it at night and you can still just get the next one ready to go which is a great feature here and being a plug-in there'll be no range anxiety because they don't have its regular range to have gas and just enjoy the features of enjoying that long haul to whatever right. big destination they go to talk a little bit about fuel economy for this vehicle uh, so fuel economy is great like i said it is very efficient with either it's our four cylinder or 500h or like i said the numbers for the plug-in are still being estimated uh, to us but like i said mid-20s like i said for the uh, turbo engine and then the 500h is a little higher in the 20s here as well about 28 miles to the gallon yeah. which, which is, is great. impressive for a three-row vehicle that yes. has this kind of carrying capacity yes exactly and that's another one of the three powertrains regardless of which one you pick 
all have 5,000 pound towing capacity, which is a great, with the course stand, uh, optional tow hitch that you could get on the vehicle, which is great for those who want to do those active lifestyles, whether it's towing, adding stuff to the crossbars, to the standard roof rails, everything you need to do for this vehicle, you can definitely I've take. I've never heard anybody tell me about static lifestyles. It's all, all, <laughs> always people with active lifestyles. Nah, I was like, well, if they want static, we have great captain's chairs. They can just sit in the second row <laughs> right, static right. and enjoy Heated their Heated and ventilated, I guess, all the time. All right? the time, exactly. Like I said, we're trying to treat each guest as a, their own home. So we're like, we don't want to, whatever your weather is, whatever part of the country that these vehicles are going to be sold, they can be taken care of, whether it's heated or ventilated, correct? Talk about infotainment. I mean, big screen is yes. very prominent and also, you know, kind of large instrumentation and gauges. Tell, tell no, very much that. so. As you saw on the exterior of the vehicle, it looks very big. It's very bold. But when you get inside, our inside joke is like, it's built in Indiana, but it's as big as Texas inside. And you've been in all the rows. But one of the big features is the standard 14-inch screen on the vehicle, which is our Lexus interface system, which began in our X and evolutions of it has been in our RX. And it's just been standard size, but it fits in that cockpit uh, realm of that vehicle. So all the touches, all the knobs are at an easy uh, touch. And you can just say, hey, Lexus, take me to wherever your favorite place is or destination, right. static or, act or active, and then it takes you there. So yeah, it's I a great a feature. <laughs> yeah, on, on the ride drive, I got a chance to use Google yeah. Maps and, yep. and uh, yep. Apple Maps and, and the in integral uh, navigation. So I got the whole Yes, gamut. it's wireless CarPlay, wireless Android Auto, seven USBs throughout the cabin, standard wireless charger. Everything is there right at your fingertips. So it's a fantastic vehicle as we've yeah. been talking well, about. Well, it seems like Lexus has come a long way in terms of its infotainment systems. And it they has. kind of took the bull by the horns, didn't you? They did in this one. Like I said, it's all about the feedback that we hear, not just internally, but externally. Like everybody wants to make sure they want to be with the latest and greatest of technology connectivity. And if you're having the Gen Y families we're trying to attract with this vehicle, not just with Lexus Loyalist, but with Conquest, you got to make sure you have the latest and greatest in there. So USBs will get you pretty far, but having a system like ours, it is fantastic. Walk us through pricing real quick and then I'll let you So go. right now is about like the standard front wheel drive uh, 350 is starting at 53700 No, these prices are minus DPH. And then when you move into the S-Sport Performance Premium, it starts at, uh, the first time you'll get a hybrid is $68,000 here. And then you can start moving. There's a simplification of packages. So there's a technology package where you can get bird's eye, uh, panel view, bird's eye camera, HUD, digital mirror, as well as some other safety features. Head-up display stuff like that. Head-up yeah. yeah. thank you. Yeah, yeah. so there's, the vehicle already has Lexus Safety System 3.0, which is a great safety system standard to every Lexus, plus blind spot monitor, but other available features is like front cross traffic alert, traffic jam assist, as we've just been talking about. There's a lot of features we want to make sure these families are aware that your car will be safe, but we also want to make sure there's other ones that can be added as well, so yeah. And again, coming soon. Some, some in dealerships some now. Some specific doing, but later throughout the month, yeah. And our campaign started last week, so you're starting to see a lot of commercials. .com is live right now, so it's a great time to be in the TX world. And I built promise. in Indiana. I mean, that's news for Lexus too, isn't it? Exclusively, yes. Like I said, so we've had other Lexus vehicles built in North America, in Kentucky for our ES, but this one is exclusively built at our Indiana plant. It is not built anywhere else in the world. Well, thanks so much for being with us. We do appreciate you telling us yes. all about the... Uh, Brand new Lexus TX. Well, my pleasure, Jack. Thank you very much, sir. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back to America on the Road with Chris T. Jack. Me, Red, back with you. I almost forgot my name, Chris, uh, but I recovered quickly. Uh, it is the final segment. Maybe that's why I forgot my name. We're, we're toward the end here. and Time always goes so fast when we're talking about cars. I appreciate you. Joining me to talk about cars, Chris, and it is listener question time. Boy, we've got some, <laughs> some interesting questions this time around, and they're dealing with 
the economy and prices rising and fuel prices and all kinds of stuff. So we'll get into that. But uh, let's take this question from Randolph. He's in Dallas, Texas. It seems like car prices are rising even faster than ever. And car loans are at very high interest rates these days. Do you have any thoughts on saving money when buying a car right now? Well, interestingly, um, I, I buy at least one car a year, it feels like, so I should have some advice here. But I'll say this. I think the biggest thing you can do in buying a car, if you're able to, is to be patient. I think being patient gives you the ability to shop around, to check out other dealers, talk to other people, understand what the market is doing. Uh, and it also gives you the opportunity to look at used vehicles and some other and some other choices. When you start making decisions in a hurry or when you start making emotional decisions, then you start to overlook some of the things like interest rate, monthly payments and things that we're talking about. So having the ability to slow down and shop around is probably the biggest thing that you can do. I will say that when I'm shopping for some of the cars that I bought, like the Golf R that I bought, I ended up buying it locally, but I was willing to shop as far away as California to find a car without it without a markup. Uh, I will say if you're looking for the a used vehicle, I think, you know, one, two, three, four-year-old used vehicles are still very elevated in price because people are having trouble affording new cars. So if you're going used, you might have to step into the five, six-plus-year-old vehicles uh, to find some that haven't haven't been hit by uh, the sort of rising tide of vehicle prices. And then lastly, Jack, and you may have other points here, I would say just be flexible with what you want. Don't be set on having an exact trim and an exact color uh, with exact features if you want to save money because the dealer is going to know uh, the other people want that model too, and they're not going to give you the best price on it. So I think those things would would help you get uh, maybe not a bargain price, but a much better price than than you would just running right out and buying whatever. Really good advice, Chris. I mean, you say slow down. My uh, advice was one word. It was wait. <laughs> you know, wait. I think things are going to change somewhat. Uh, I don't think we're going to have these high interest rates forever. The worst situation to be in is where you feel you have to buy a car and you have to buy a car now, right? If you're in that situation, some people are. I mean, there's things to do, as you say. You know, set your sights a little lower. Look at somewhat older used vehicles than you might have otherwise looked at. These days, cars last a long, long time. I think the average car on the road is, uh, you know, more than 11 years old, maybe 12, something like that. So if you get a five-year-old car, I mean, it's perfectly serviceable. It might not be uh, as spiffy as you'd like from an exterior point of view, or maybe the interior isn't quite as, as fresh as you'd like, but still very functional. And then take your time, look around, uh, talk to people. Maybe you can buy a private party car, a car from uh, you know somebody you know or somebody who a friend of a friend knows, that kind of thing. That's a good way to save money on a, on a car purchase as well. So a lot of ways to, to go about this now, but it is a difficult time to get a good deal on a a car and you know with interest rates if you got to borrow money i mean the more you borrow the more you're going to pay in interest so uh, keep that in mind as well good points so let's take another question this is from leonard he's in casper wyoming beautiful up there in wyoming he says last week you talked about the mercedes-benz c-class versus the bmw 3 series and i think you like the mercedes better what about others like the audi a4 and the genesis g70 what do you have to say about them? Do you like one more than the other? I think Audi, and you may disagree with this, Jack, I think Audi has the nicer interior, nicest interiors of the three. I think a long time ago, Audi figured out that to compete with BMW and Mercedes, it had to out-interior them. And even the A4 and the A3, the lower entry-level model cars, uh, are very nice inside. Speaking of the Genesis G70, Jack, I've always sung this car's praises. I think it's a fantastic alternative to the the A4, the C-Class, and the the 3 Series, if I can remember all the names here. Uh, plus, you can get it with a twin-turbo V6, and you still save a few bucks. The interior is maybe not as nice as like the Audi, 
but it's very nice. And like I said, you're saving some money and the performance is definitely there. And the Hyundai Genesis tech platform is is probably better, I think, than the, the three German brands. So um, I would have no problem substituting a Genesis in for any of those three cars. Yeah, I mean, Genesis has come a long way in a very short time, right? I mean, their exterior styling, I think, is is really good. Their interiors are, are quite nice. I'm not sure that the G70 is right up to the standards of the A4, but I like the A4 a lot, and I, I'm right with you. I think they do a really well-tailored, high-class interior in the in the A4 and in Audis generally. And I, I think their exterior styling is quite good too. I think in terms of longevity or a lack of problems, you might find the Genesis to uh, outperform the German cars by, by a significant margin. If you look at JD Power ratings of the various brands, I think Genesis is going to come out on top of the of Audi, Mercedes, and BMW, which is maybe a bit of a surprise for some people. But uh, those vehicles are really cool, but they're also super complicated. So maybe a little bit simpler approach to the mechanicals in the Genesis G70 serves it well. I agree. So there you go. A lot of a lot of great cars, though. I, I, I take any one of those four any day of the week, of course, as my daily driver. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, let's take a, a question from Tom. And uh, again, this is uh, like bleeding blood from a a turnip here. <laughs> what I'm, I'm having to deal with in Southern California is what Tom is talking about here. Gas is super expensive here in California. And I, I was telling you off the air, Chris, that uh, I've seen seven, almost $8 a gallon now at uh, gas stations locally. Uh, so that's mind blowing. Mind blowing that our gasoline is, is twice the cost of yours in Maine, something like that. But I'll go on with what Tom has to say. I think you've talked about that. Yes, we have. Do you have any fuel savings tips these prices are killing me. Yeah, you know, um, I don't often focus on fuel saving while I'm driving, but I think that I would if I were paying $7 per gallon. Uh, Jack, I'll say that the biggest thing here for me is to, uh, like we said earlier, slow down. Your right foot dictates a lot of what your car does when it when it comes to burning fuel. Um, as my grandmother used to call them, jackrabbit starts is one of those things that, you know, taking off from every red light, like you're trying to get to the next one as quickly as possible is a good way to burn fuel. And then also lowering your average speed while you're driving by a few miles an hour will help you save a few dollars. The other thing I'll say, Jack, is to make sure your tires are properly maintained, rotated and installed the way they should be. Uh, if you've got one or two worn tires, that's just creating more friction, more force that your vehicle has to overcome to get down the road. And it's going to burn more fuel to do that. And then the other thing is, and you're going to have a million other things to add on to this, but just making sure the rest of your vehicle is properly maintained. Make sure your oil is changed properly. Make sure your air filters um, are changed on time and, and keeping up with the rest of those things will help your vehicle operate as it should and help you get the best fuel economy you can. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, uh, the fuel price situation is <laughs> such that uh, it almost seems like these are just kind of stopgap measures that are going to have a little effect, but they're not certainly not going to solve the problem. What's going to solve the problem is more supply of gasoline in California, which hopefully is coming at some point here. But, uh, you know, I would just add to what you said. I mean, good maintenance helps you save gas. So making sure that the, the uh, tire inflation is proper is probably the, the cheapest thing you can do to save some gasoline. So I would also say, Gang up on trips, you know, don't don't uh, take a short trip and then take another short trip and then take another short trip. Uh, every time you're sitting at a light, you're getting zero miles per gallon. So that's important. Uh, you know, try to, you know, maybe use delivery services a little more than you've used in the past. Uh, that's something that's optional for us these days that uh, wasn't before. There are ways to save fuel. I certainly love to drive. I don't think you're going to save money by buying an electric car these days. <laughs> overall, but um, it's getting to that point, I think. We might 
those those curves might cross each other here one of these days uh, fairly rapidly. So those are some things you can do. And, you know, ride this out, Tom. Maybe go to the Bahamas for a while and sit on the beach. That's not a bad plan anytime. Well, tell us about what's going on at yourtestdriver.com, Chris. I'm going to keep beating the drum, Jack. We're running the Skip Barber Racing School and Team O'Neill Rally School giveaway again this month. We're going to run it through the end of, I'll probably extend it through the end of November at this point to let everybody get in with the holidays. Uh, but this is thousands of dollars worth of, uh, of, of prizes that we're doing here. Uh, anybody who wants to learn how to drive better, just learn more about cars and how you react to them. These are both great opportunities. There's no pressure. Everybody's very nice. You're there paying them to be uh, taught, and that's what they will do. So I can encourage everyone to go to yourtestdriver.com and sign up right away. All you have to do is follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and uh, we'll pick names out of the digital hat here in a few weeks. Yeah, so exciting. I mean, I, I can't wait to uh, see who wins that stuff because it's just so cool. I mean, driving schools, I've loved through the years and the you know, I'd love to do that. So check that out at yourtestdriver.com and also all the great content that you've got there. And and speaking of content, there's my latest book. It's called Dance in the Dark, and it is a crime thriller based on my experience writing about true crime. I wrote a book called Fatal Photographs about a, a very famous murder here in Hollywood years ago. And uh, so this is a true crime-inspired uh, fictional book. So look for that. It's on Amazon. And uh, if you like America on the Road, please pass it on. Listen on this radio station each week. Tell others where you listen, and that would be good. If you pick up the podcast, like it. <laughs> Give us a little like there, a little love there. Uh, a five-star review if you feel the urge, and subscribe to America on the Road because you can get us as a podcast in various forms, can't you, Chris? Yeah, if you head to sportsmapradio.com, you can find us there on the Saturday morning schedule. Uh, you can get our podcast on all the major platforms, Apple Music, uh, Pod uh, Spotify, all the others. And then you can also find a radio formatted version of the show right there a little bit further down. Right. Well, our thanks to the Sports Map Radio Network stations for carrying America on the road. We do appreciate it. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. Please join us again right here next time for another edition of America on the Road.